0: Section 30 of the Algonkin Legends of New England. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Becky Cook, The Algonkin Legends of New England, or Myths and Folklore of the Micmac, Passamaquoddy, and Penobscot Tribes by Charles Godfrey Leland. Section 30. Thunder stories of the girl who married Mount Katahdin, and how all the Indians brought about their own ruin. Penobscot Of the old time, there was once an Indian girl gathering blueberries on Mount Katahdin, and being lonely, she said, I would that I had a husband. And seeing the great mountain in all its glory rising on high, with the red sunlight on the top, she added, I wish Katahdin were a man, and he would marry me. All this she was heard to say ere she went onward and up the mountain, but for three years she was never seen again then she reappeared bearing a babe a beautiful child but his little eyebrows were of stone for the spirit of the mountain had taken her to himself and when she greatly desired to return to her own people he told her go in peace but forbade her to tell any man who had married her now the boy had strange gifts and the wise men said that he was born to become a mighty magician for when he did but point his finger at a moose or anything which ran it would drop dead and when in a canoe if he pointed at the flocks of wild ducks or swans then the water was at once covered with a floating game and they gathered them in as they listed and through that boy his mother and every one had food and to spare now this was the truth and it was a great wonder that katahdin had wedded this girl "'thinking with himself and his wife "'to bring up a child who would build up his nation "'and make of the Wabanaki a mighty race. "'And he said, "'Declare unto these people that they are not to inquire of thee "'who is the father of the child. "'Truly they will know it by seeing him, "'for they shall not grieve thee with impertinence. "'Now the woman had made it known that she would not be questioned, "'and she gave them all what they needed. "'Yet for all this they could not refrain, "'nor restrain themselves from talking to her "'on what they well knew she would fain be silent.' and one day they had angered her, she thought. Truly, Katahdin was right. These people are in no wise worthy of my son. Neither shall he serve them. He shall not lead them to victory. They are not those who make a great nation. And being still further teased and tormented, she spake and said, Ye fools, who by your own folly will kill yourselves, you mud-wasps, who sting the fingers which would pick ye out of the water. Why will ye ever trouble me to tell you what you well know? CAN YOU NOT SEE WHO IS THE FATHER OF MY BOY? BEHOLD HIS EYEBROWS. DO YOU NOT KNOW CATAHDAN BY THEM? BUT IT SHALL BE TO YOUR EXCEEDING GREAT SORROW THAT EVER YE inquired. FROM THIS DAY YOU MAY FEED YOURSELVES AND FIND YOUR OWN venison, FOR THIS CHILD SHALL DO SO NO MORE FOR YOU. AND SHE AROSE, AND WENT HER WAY INTO THE WOODS AND UP THE MOUNTAIN, AND WAS SEEN ON EARTH NO MORE. AND SINCE THAT DAY THE INDIANS, WHO SHOULD HAVE BEEN GREAT, HAVE BECOME A LITTLE PEOPLE truly it would have been wise and well for those of early times if they could have held their tongues this remarkable legend was related to me by mrs mary sakis a penobscot a very clever story-teller it gives the fall of man from a purely indian standpoint nothing is so contemptible in indian eyes as a want of dignity and idle loquacious teasing therefore it is made in the myth the sin which destroyed the race the tendency of the lower class of Americans, especially in New England, to raise and emphasize their voice, to speak continually in italics in small and large capitals, with a wide display, and a constant disposition to chaff and tease, have contributed more than any other cause to destroy confidence and respect for them among the Indians. Since writing the foregoing paragraph, I have read The Abnacus by Rev. Eugene Vetrumile, in his chapter on the religion and superstition of these Indians he gives this story, but, as I think, in a corrupted form. Firstly, he states that Pomola, that is, Bumole, who is the evil spirit of the night air, was the spirit of Mount Katahdin. Now these are certainly at present two very distinct beings, which are described as being personally quite unlike. Secondly, in Vetramil's story the mother and child disappear disappear in consequence of the child having inadvertently killed an indian by pointing at him it will be seen that this feeble impotent conclusion utterly spoils the manifest meaning of the whole legend of this story vetremile remarks that it is of course a superstitious tale made up by the prolific imagination of some indians yet we can perceive in some vestiges of the fall of the first man in having transgressed the command of god and how it could be repaired only by god we can also trace some ideas of the mystery of the incarnation of the Son of God and the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, mixed with fables, superstitions, and pagan errors. The appearance of God to Moses in the burning bush may be glimpsed in Pomole appearing to the Indian on Mount Katahdin, and so forth. The Pilgrims in Rabelais The Pilgrims in Rabelais did not point out scriptural coincidences with greater ingenuity than this it is deeply to be regretted that the reverend father's entire knowledge of the mythology of the abinacas was limited to this single story vide bomole in chapter on supernatural beings it may be however observed that if the name bomole or pomola really means he curses on the mountains or curse on the mountain it was natural that the evil spirit should be supposed to be on the mountain pomola was perhaps at an early period the spirit of lightning and might thus be very easily confused with How a hunter visited the thunder spirits who dwell in Mount Katahdin, Passamaquoddy. Nikarnu, of old times. Once an Indian went forth to hunt, and he departed from the east branch of the Penobscot and came to the head of another branch that leads into the east branch, and this he followed even to the foot of Mount Katahdin. And there he hunted many a day alone, and met none, till one morning in midwinter he found the track of snowshoes. So he returned to his camp but the next day he met with it again in a far distant place, and thus it was that, wherever he went, this track came to him every day. Then, noting this as a sign to be observed, he followed it, and it went up the mountain Katahdin, which being interpreted means the great mountain, until at last it was lost in a hard snowshoe road made by many travellers. And since it was hard and even, he took off his agamuk, or snowshoes, and went ever on and up with the road, and it was a strange path, and strange was its ending, for it stopped just before a high ledge, like an immense wall on a platform at its foot. And there were many signs there, as of many people, yet he saw no one, and as he stayed it seemed to grow stranger and stranger. At last he heard a sound as of footsteps coming, yet within the wall, when lo, a girl stepped directly out of the precipice upon the platform, but though she was beautiful beyond belief he was afraid and to his every thought she answered in words, and that so sweetly, and kindly, and cleverly, that he was soon without fear, though he saw that she had powerful Mithuelan, or great magic power. And they being soon pleased one with the other, and wanting each other, she bade him accompany her, and that by walking directly through the rock. Have no fear, said she, but advance boldly. So he obeyed, and lo, the rock was as the air, and it gave way as he went on and ever as they went the maiden talked to him, answering his thoughts so that he spoke not aloud. And anon they came to a great cavern far within, and there was an old man seated by a fire, and the old man welcomed him, and he was very kindly treated by the strange pair all day. In all his life he had never been so happy. Now as the night drew near the old man said to his daughter, "'Can you hear aught of your brothers?' Then she went out to the terrace, and returning said no." then anon he asked her again and she going and returning as before replied now i hear them coming then they listened when lo there came as at the door without a crash of thunder with a flash of lightning and out of the light stepped two young men of great beauty but like giants stupendous and of awful mien, and like their father their eyebrows were of stone while their cheeks were as rocks and the hunter was told by their sister that when they went forth which was every few days their father said to them Sons arise it is time now for you to go forth over the world and save our friends go not too near the trees but if you see aught that is harmful to those whom we love strike and spare not then when they went forth they flew on high among the clouds and thus it is that the thunder and lightning whose home is in the mighty katahdin are made and when the thunder strikes the brothers are shooting at the enemies of their friends now when the day was done the hunter returned to his home and when there found he had been gone seven years. All this I have heard from the old people who are dead and gone. This was a tale told to me by Toma Josephs. It seems to have nothing in common with the very widely spread myth that the thunder is the flapping of the wings of a giant bird, and the lightning the flashes of its eyes. The tradition is probably of Eskimo origin, supernatural beings partially of stone being common to Greenland and Labrador there is a strange and entirely accidental resemblance between this story and rip van winkle as in the distant sound of the nine pins like a low muttered thunder the hospitable entertainment and finally the seven years as one day apparent resemblances are very deceptive in the eskimo mythology the mesugat or kuradlit who are the higher or benevolent spirits protecting mortals are distinguished from the evil ones by dwelling in cliffs to which there are invisible entrances there is a remarkable resemblance between Karadin and Hrungnir of the Edda. Hrungnir has a face of stone. He is unquestionably a mountain personified, as Miss Larne declares. His stony head pierces the blue sky. Both giants are the typical great mountain of the respective countries. Hrungnir also has a very great affinity with the Chinu giant. He has a stony heart, an insatiable appetite, and is cruel and brutal. The Iroquois have the very stone giants. Or, as Schoolcraft calls them, the stonish giants themselves, and a very curious picture of them has been preserved. Of them, he remarks, who the giants are intended to symbolize is uncertain. They are represented as impenetrable by darts. The connection between the stone giants of the Indians, the Eskimo, and the Norsemen, if not historical, is at least identical in this, that they all typify the mountains. The Thunder and Lightning Men. Passamaquoddy. This is truly an old Indian story of old time. Once an Indian was whirled up by the roaring wind. He was taken up a thunderstorm, and set down again in the village of the Thunders. In after times he described them as very like human beings. They used bows and airs, taboke, and had wings. But these wings can be laid aside and kept for use, and from time to time their chief gives the Thunders orders to put them on, and tells them where to go he also tells them how long they are to be gone, and warns them not to go too low, for it is sure death for them to be caught in the crotch of a tree. The great chief of the Thunders, hearing of a stranger's arrival, sent for him, and received him very kindly, and told him that he would do well to become one of them, to which, the man being willing, the chief soon after called all his people together to see the ceremony of thunderfying the Indian. Then they bade him go into a square or box, and while in it he lost his senses and became a thunder. Then they brought him a pair of wings and he put them on. So he flew about like the rest of the thunders. He became quite like them and followed all their ways. And he said that they always flew towards the Sun or South, and that the roar and crash of the thunder was the sound of their wings. Their great amusement is to play at ball across the sky. When they return they carefully put away the wings for the next flight there is a big bird in the south and this they are always trying to kill but never succeed in doing so they made long journeys and always took him with them so it went on for a long time but it came to pass that the indian began to tire of his strange friends then he told the chief that he wished to see his family on earth and the sagamore listened to him and was very kind then he called all of his people together and said that their brother from the other world was very lonesome and wished to return They were all very sorry indeed to lose him, but because they loved him, they let him have his own way, and decided to carry him back again. So, bidding him close his eyes till he should be on earth, they carried him down. The Indians saw a great thunderstorm drawing near. They heard such thunder as they never knew before, and then something in the shape of a human being coming down with lightning, and then they ran. And then they ran to the spot where he sat, and it was their long-lost brother who had been gone seven years. He had been in the thunder-world. He told them how he had been playing ball with the thunder-boys. Yes, how he had been turned into real thunder himself. This is why the Indians to this very day have a firm belief that the thunder and lightning we hear and see are caused by beings or spirits, called an Indian bedak-yak, or thunder, because they see them, and have, moreover, actually picked up the bedaks, kichususan, or thunder-belt. It is of many different kinds of stone, but always of the same shape. The last was picked up by Peter Sabatis, one of the Passamaquoddy tribe. He has it yet. He found it in a crotch-root of a spruce tree at Head Harbour on the island of Campobello. The stone is a sign of good luck to him who finds it. The thunder is the sound of wings, and the men who fly above, the lightning receives the fire and smoke of their pipes. Of the woman who married the thunder, and of their boy, Passamaquoddy. Once a woman went to the edge of a lake, and lay down to sleep. As she awoke she saw a great serpent with glittering eyes crawl from the water and stealthily approach her. She had no power to resist his embrace. After her return to her people her condition betrayed itself, and she was much persecuted. They pursued her with sticks and stones, howling abuse. She fled from the village, she went afar into wild places, and sitting down on the grass wept, wishing that she were dead as she sat and wailed a very beautiful girl dressed in silver and gold appeared and after listening to her sad story said follow me then they went up high into a mountain through three rocks until they came into a pleasant wigwam with a very smooth floor an old man so old that he was all white came to meet them then he taking a short stick bade her dance he began to sing and as he sung she gave birth one by one to twelve serpents these the old man killed in succession with a stick as they were born. Then she had become thin again, and was in her natural form. The old man had a son, Doc the thunder, and a daughter, Tanpik, the lightning, and when thunder returned he offered to take her back to her own people, but she refused to go. The old man said to his son, Take her for your wife, and be good to her. So they were married. In a time she bore a son, when the boy could stand, the old man, who never leaves the mountain, called him to stand before him while he fastened wings to the child. He was soon able, with these wings, to make a noise which greatly pleased the grandfather. When a storm is approaching, the distant rumbling is the muttering thunder made by the child. But it is bedok his father, who comes in the dark cloud and makes the roaring crash, while Tsak-Tankapik flashes her lightnings, and after days when the woman visited her people she told them that they never need fear the thunder or lightning. End of section 30.